Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Hey everybody, welcome to the daily blitz podcast. I'm your host, Matt Williams, and this season we're going to be taking a look at best ball, DFS. We're going to be taking a look at season-long football in order to bring you a championship. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. You can find my work over at NBC Sports Edge and The Athletic. But joining me all season long is my co-host. You'll know him as uh, John Legeza over at FTN, and he is Mr. MLB Moving Averages. Why the hell do we have a guy named MLB Moving Averages on the NFL show? John, tell him why. Well, because we're going to get ready to transition to NFL moving averages, of course. <laughs> um, well, you know, Matt, it was funny. The you know MLB moving averages was the name of the algorithm I wrote before I really thought about doing sport content like this and even cross-sport content. But now here we are, and, and uh, it's time for football. It's so exciting. I love it. And you and I were speaking about this before, just how different it is from baseball. And, you know, you really embrace those differences. And in fact, I do too. And it really is kind of fun to take off the uh, the thick Coke bottle glasses and the pocket protector, right? And get ready for some pigskin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, everyone's getting really excited right now. It's, it's turned the page to August and the, the degenerates out there, they really want to put their money down on something. The Hall of Fame game just happened on Thursday. Uh, we're taping this on Friday. It's our very first show, so it might take a couple of days to get out to all the uh, the podcast things. So uh, we're going to try to keep things a little general for the first episode. But I was I was making fun of people betting on the Hall of Fame game. And then, of course, right beforehand, I'm like, man, the over under is like 33. That seems like a that seems like a smash for the under. I'm going to put some money down. And of course it was. I think it's like the last like 15 of these things have hit the under. So I don't know where that who set that line. But of course, there was not a lot of scoring in the Cowboys versus Broncos thing. And we're going to we're going to talk a little bit of betting, obviously, with uh, with John here. So um, for our opening show, we're going to talk about best ball because that's what everyone is into right now. Uh, those really popular, uh, puppy drafts over on underdog, uh, are very popular right now. Everyone, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways to get into best ball, which we're going to talk about the different things that are most important. Maybe not specific players. We'll get into that in the future when we have a more normal schedule. Uh, but number one for all best ball, know your scoring. I, I can't stress this enough or people will walk into different formats, one or four point touchdowns for, for quarterbacks, another or six point touchdown for quarterbacks. It's such a massive difference. Uh, you have to see if it's full PPR or not. Uh, John, uh, just starting with our first thing for best ball, just in general, just knowing your scoring. And this really goes across all fantasy football, but that's our number one topic here is know your score. Man, I'm so glad that you said that because it really is first and foremost. I'm sure you get it as much or more than anybody, Matt, add this guy for this guy with no context whatsoever, which is the most important part of the decision. Of course, like you said, I was, I'm not participating in um, the fishbowl or any of those big kind of industry drafts, but I am following. So when I saw the draft results come out, I was asking about quarterbacks going so high, you know, myself, I'm not particularly high in quarterbacks, but generally before the ninth round, I have one and I'm seeing them go, super high, and it turns out it's a super flex league, right? So that being another one, just the structure, the format, and the scoring are first and foremost. Matt, I was wondering if you noticed what I noticed about those underdog best ball tournaments. They go through week 17, and that's a rule I read. I'm not sure I know how to prepare for it, though. Well, I mean, there's not much you can do. I mean, it's best ball. You're not setting a lineup or anything, so uh, it just kind of is what it is. Um in well, let me, ask, let me ask you this, because one uh, thought that I had pertaining to that is knowing that we, and especially, listen, the million-dollar game is in week 17, so we can't look past it. Do you think that should shy us away from teams that we're expecting to be at the extreme end of the win spectrum? Meaning, again, we don't know how this is going to play out. We're just playing probabilities. But according to the books, at least, there's a much higher chance 
the Chiefs are resting in week 17 than let's say the Titans, right? Whose win loss is booked at nine, meaning right around the bubble. So I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. This is something late that I've been thinking about. If I want to be more into Titans than Chiefs, but that's the best I got. You, you have any thought about that? Yeah, it's something that you want to have depth for. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to have depth, which we'll get to in best ball, and whether it be bye weeks or injury risk, which again, in best ball shouldn't matter because you're aiming for ceiling. Floor doesn't matter. You either win or lose. Uh, for for especially for like the week 17 stuff. I mean, we'll talk about stacks next and how they're both incredibly effective and highly overrated both at the same time. But let's just say your, your your favorite stack, which isn't two players, by the way. I don't know why everyone says that. Stack is three players or more. Uh, just because you tag Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams, that is not a stack. It's just a pair. Uh, but let's just say you had Patrick Mahomes. Uh, oh, you say you drafted. Let's say you drafted uh, Kelsey. Uh, Mahomes, and then you grab McCole Hardman later. You have your stack there. You're worried about them in week 17. Grab a second stack. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and Lavishka Chanel will be hanging around week 17. It's a risk, but again, you're going for ceiling. Um, with the division in the NFC East, you don't know who's going to win that. You could always go again cheaper there if you wanted to try to put something together with like Daniel Jones, uh, Sterling Shepard, and... and uh, and Darius Slayton, something cheap. Like I said, uh, I'm leaving out some of the big names like Barkley and stuff. But uh, if there's a good way to have like inexpensive stacks later, and that might be a way to go because they could always fire off in any week anyway. And it still gives you coverage later in the year. So I think that might be a very viable strategy. Yeah, the, the giant stack is especially interesting because the prices really work. Uh, you know, it's easy to say Chiefs and Jaguars. I don't know if you'd be able to pull off Chiefs and Jaguars because around – you know, a few of those picks are kind of going at the same time. I don't know. I mean, you get like, get get Kelsey in round one. Yeah, uh, you could probably get Mahomes in round three. You get yeah. ATN. You get ATN in round four, um, or five even. I don't know. He's he's been going pretty late. And uh, then you. I feel like Chenault and Hard and Hardman are kind of going. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to get them like you can get. I think I think you can get them both. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I guess you could. I really guess you could. You know what? My this is funny. Maybe this, we can circle back to this. You know, right? We were worried if we weren't going to have enough to talk about. In these tournaments specifically, where there are limited roster spaces with a quarterback like Mahomes in particular, because he goes so early, man, I'm really not going back to the quarterback well until the Daniel Jones is at the end. The reason is this is something I spoke to Elliot about recently, and he was saying he was quoting the cult coach when they had Peyton Manning, and it was, we don't prepare for when number 18 goes down. And I kind of bring in the same thinking into these tournaments that if I'm paying up it goes for running backs too. If I'm paying up for running backs in the first two rounds, don't expect me to go back to the well later on. But to your point, Mac, yeah, the, the stacking, man, you know, I hadn't really thought about a complimentary stack. I was thinking more about trying to entrench myself even deeper in that same team, meaning the Chiefs might not compete, but we know they have to take the field, right? So maybe if you had Kelsey and Mahomes and Hardman, maybe later on you got like Pringle going on, you know, right? You can get him really late for that. And again, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. A it's, lot of this it's is- not a it's not a problem. The only problem is I, I have is I think at best ball, I don't like to waste picks, which I think is a big problem for people. It's a matter of like, you know, I think, you know, you have 18 players or so, yeah. and you I think you should draft every single one as if they can contribute every single week. So yeah. I, I'm not grabbing pure handcuff running backs. I mean, there's a few out there like Kareem Hunt and Jamal Williams and uh, Damian Williams that, that could have value in themselves. So I don't mind drafting them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think you should make every single roster spot uh, worthwhile and, and not waste it, so, which is what I was saying. I thought maybe going with a cheaper stack would be fine because they can help you every single week, uh, but then also help you towards the end. I was just kind of spitballing. No, that's um, not a bad idea. I think the Jets, I, I and it's funny because you are a Giant fan. I am a Jet fan, although I am a, I am pa- a, I am a Packers fan. Oh, I forget. That's right. You are, you are a Packers fan. I don't know why I got that. Everyone else in my life is a Giants fan. <laughs> now, now, my my first round, st- my stack is impossible because I don't see how you could get Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. By the time the real drafts start rolling around, I mean, they're both first round picks. There's no way to yeah. get it. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Especially the way Adams Adams has found his way near or in front of Diggs, even in some spots, you know, and I think that's a, 
result of the Aaron Rodgers kind of becoming more solidified. Yeah, I don't think you can get Adams and Jones, right? Even if you had a 12, I don't think you can get it. You'd need, man, you'd need a 10 and a ton of luck, like a ton of luck. I don't think it happens. Um, so we, we talked about stacking a bit. How do you feel about that? Because that seems to be like the rage nowadays. I said earlier, I think it's both highly effective and incredibly overrated because there, here's the reason it's overrated. I mean, here's the reason it's effective. I mean, you have teams that go off. Obviously, a, a quarterback has to throw it to someone. And if you have a pass catching running back and a highly, you know, a, a high targeted um, receiver or tight end, uh, it all correlates together. When touchdowns are scored, when passes are scored, you, you kind of like, uh, multiply what you otherwise would have had. The problem being, um, obviously, teams can have off weeks. That's the obvious downside. But people will take it going into a draft, which will be another thing where, you know, don't force a strategy where they'll be like jumping ADP so much just to grab a player. Like, I get it. You grab Joe Mixon um, and then you ended up with like, you know, uh, you know, you ended up with like Chaser Higgins in uh, the next thing. That doesn't mean you got to overpay for Joe Burrow. If he falls to you, he falls to you. Like you cannot force things in a, uh, in a, in a stack. I mean, and, and also um, shitty players are still shitty, even if they're in a stack. <laughs> so, you know, just because you happen to, you know, you get, you, you happen to get like Brian Ayuk and uh, you, you feel good about sermon, you don't got to be like drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't got to do it. Um, I mean, Trey Lance is fine at all. I mean, if you think he's going to get an opportunity, but I mean, there's, there's certain dangerous things like just don't draft crappy players in order to fill out a stack. Uh, pick a stack that's worthwhile stacking. Yeah, I think, Man, I really think I agree with, if not all of that. The only thing I probably would expand on is that those are things you were alluding to it that I want to think about that going in. Like I'm more, I try and pre-identify the stacks that I think work. Though I, I got to admit, you you know, your initial question was how I feel about them. I'm I'm just not, I'm not tremendous on stacks. I like to pair or have you know correlating picks that you also mentioned before, but I don't always dive into that. Similar to what you said before, Matt, that you have so few picks, each pick represents a pretty substantial percentage of your roster. And it becomes difficult for them all to go off, especially when I'm going to circle back to the, another point you made when you're trying to focus on true impact players. So I I've heard people use the word alpha. I've used the term they're um, playbook dependent. I don't even know what that means. You know, meaning if I want a player that if the team goes up by 28, that player was a reason. Or if a team's down by 28, they're going to have to rely on that same player. And I'm not going to let the jersey kind of sway me, particularly in something like best ball. There's so many combinations. You're really going to need upside. You know, so again, just like you said, I'm not going to sell my ceiling short to match the jerseys. I, I just can't do it, man. I just can't do it. I, I'd rather have two players on the team and a third player from a different team that I really like than, like you said, kind of force the square peg in the round hole. Yeah, and that brings us to our next point perfectly. It's be willing to change your strategy. You can walk in there with like, oh, I'm doing zero running back because I'm smarter than the rest of the world. And I'm not poo-pooing zero running back uh, or zero I, wide receiver. Whatever the heck you want to do, it's fine. I, I just, I don't have a strategy like that. I, I do whatever the draft is giving me. That's basically what I do. I have certain things I'll be looking to do, but if you're zero running back and uh, it gets to the third round and someone is sitting there, uh, you know what I mean? Like if Harris is there in the third round, you take Harris in the third round yeah. because he's most likely the best player. And again, if you take that, Stance, like I said before, Matt, where you're drafting players for a full season. If Najee Harris gives you 16 games, there's a very good chance he's a top four or five running back. You don't pass on that because of some preconceived notion you came in with, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, let's say you're zero running back and you can go, like, you know, early early in the draft. I mean, are you, are you really going to pass up McCaffrey or Cook? to take a wide receiver running back that early. I mean, it's, you can build around it. I mean, you can go hybrid zero running back. I think that's actually one of my favorite strategies. Uh, if you happen to get a top third pick 
you grab one of those elite running backs and then go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, mix in a tight end if you want to, one of the top guys, and then go back to running back. But more often than not, I, I mean, I've, I'm of the opinion that you probably don't want to be leaving, leaving the first two rounds without a running back because, I mean, there are intriguing running backs late. There are uh, this year, but um, I don't want to be hanging my hat on Zach Moss. <laughs> You know, uh, to to have to make uh, to, for in order to require Buffalo to change their game plan and and restrict uh, Josh Allen's uh, you know rushing near the goal line. I don't need to rely on that. Um, so yeah, I, I give what the the draft gives me. But even so, if you want to lean somewhere, you got to be willing to change your strategy based upon what's going around in the draft. I'd actually really like to address because you're running back briefly since we since you brought it up. Uh, I'm I'm doing this zig when other people zag. And you know what? I have MLB in front of my handle and not NFL, and maybe I'm dumb. But I feel very confident in this. And again, Matt, you know, I don't just talk it. I kind of hop into the arena and get covered in mud and blood. Like, that's my thing. I'm already, geez, got to be 40-some-odd drafts deep in underdog. And more than half of those are in the best ball million. They're not all just puppy drafts, which I would – I don't want to say warn people, but I would – tell people to be weary of when you get down into a $5 draft, expect to see some craziness. There are people expecting to win this thing doing wackiness. So that could help you. It might hurt you. I have found the $25 best ball millionaires are a little more, let's call it, call it adherent to ADP. Now, even in those, I probably have 35 in the books already. I know I'm not kind of holding back and I have had to shift towards what's the opposite of zero running back that is it is it infinite running back? i'm going infinite running back no but i'm just i'm going rbrb basically because of the baskets if you look at positions throughout the draft in baskets that running back basket evaporates and it evaporates hey, sure, quick. Sure. you throw out zach moss i'm looking at a draft board right now i become uncomfortable with a running back as my let's call it rb2 but as in every, you know, this is now in every week, RB2, if this is your second running back drafted, we're in the fifth round, Matt. Tell me when you hear a guy you like as an everyday starter. This is actually the fourth round. Josh Jacobs, Jamal Williams, James Robinson. I, I, I mean, well, I mean, I'll draft some of them, but like as my RB4 or 5. But how, you know, hold on, but let's be realistic. They really can't. If they are RB4 or 5, that means you, you know, you were already obviously drafted a few running backs before them. So now you're in round five and that's your fourth running back. Like my, my point is, yeah, even if there's somebody with that attitude, which again, I'm not saying is wrong. There I, are not I, enough I, running I, backs I, to go around. There yeah, I, aren't think enough to I, think I think it's wrong. What's wait, wait, you think what's wrong? I think anyone who has that opinion who thinks you can survive on that tier is, is wrong. Yeah. Well, I, I, I well, here, I mean, like you, you listen right? to all the guys that you'd have to survive with as your starting running backs. I like yours go full running back. I mean, I would, I'm not saying I like a balanced team, so I'm not trying to advocate this, but instead of going those like the same tier, I mean, ignore wide receiver, which is dangerous. I'm not telling you to do that. I mean, right. elite, without elite wide receivers, you're going to lose, but rather than go with that tier, you were telling me about, I would probably rather go running back, running back, maybe grab, you know, a tight end or wide receiver or I, uh, I, uh, quarterback early and get McCole Hardman, Marvin Jones, yes. Amon St. Brown, Alan Lazard. I mean, I don't want that to be my entire crew, but it's certainly more palatable than the running backs in the same area. If you're starting from scratch at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, this is not, it's not like I came into it saying I'm smarter than everybody. This is what I'm doing. And I'm not changing. I went in again. I, you know, there's a lot of bright people at the end. And I was speaking to a few of the boys there. Derek Brown's very sharp. Ellie Chris very sharp. And they're, really heavy on wideouts. I mean, they're even just by the roster allocation, I was way off at first. I was going with six running backs. These guys are going with like four. I was going with like six wideouts. These guys are all going with like eight or nine. So I felt the press for wideouts. And then I realized that, yikes, uh, you turn around and depending on what room you're in, now your RB2 is, you know, like I said, James Robinson, who, I mean, he showed us a little bit Last year, but you don't bring in a player like Etienne to not get any kind of work. You know, then Jamal Williams, um, uh, I'm sorry, Javante Williams, which we don't exactly know what we're going to get with Melvin Gordon right there, right at the very least. That feels like a split. You're at who, gosh, I don't even really know anybody who's talking about Davis if McCaffrey didn't go down to Chase Edmonds. To me, it's one headache after another. I am like full 
implanted, Matt. I need, I need two running backs in the first three rounds because the time we get to Dobbins, David Montgomery, and Miles Sanders, those are basically the three running backs with third round ADPs. I need to have my second running back for me. It's end of story almost. Yeah, I'd, I'd be most comfortable with that. I mean, I think I would think like Michael Carter would be like the worst running back I'd want as my RB two, and I really want him as my RB three or four. Right, reflect. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. He's he's a perfect RB three. But let's be realistic. What kind of workload are we expecting from the rookie? As your RB2, I just don't think with Tevin Coleman there, and they talked about splitting work, Coleman's already running with the ones. Again, not to say that that's everything, but, geez, you mentioned you mentioned players that you could run out every week. I always talk about fantasy sports being a game of yeah. opportunity, right? I don't I don't mind the zero running back thing as much because I get I get the, the math behind it of wide receivers are, are definitely um, safer. And that – uh, the, the top tier of running backs definitely recycle from year to year. I mean, Kenyon Drake was going in the first round last year. Right, so, right. I mean, I get, I get it, especially if you're going to have multiple, um, multiple entries, I get taking a shot and, and seeing how it goes. But yeah, I do agree. I mean, I, I think going with the balance team the most, I mean, I threw out McCole Hardman, Marvin Jones, I'm on St. Brown and Alan yeah. Lazard, but how about this? If you ignore wide receiver for the first several rounds, okay. you could, you could end up drafting Brandon cooks, Jarvis Landry. Yep. Cole Beasley, Sterling Shepard, and Christian Kirk. That's a completely easy gr- uh, group by ADP to grab all of. And they're all going to have over 100 targets this year. Yeah, Matt. See, that's where you and I are always very simpatico when it comes to strategy, you know, regardless of the names. Again, I could be in the fifth round. And where I've generally started is I like to have one by the fourth because I see players like Chris Godwin going in the fourth, who I think is a, is a wide receiver one or even DJ Moore with Carolina, Tyler Lockett. You know, you mentioned Ayuk. I like, I really like him as a two. I don't know if I like him as my one necessarily, but the point remains that you could begin later on. And like you said, you could begin in five and I could get you DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy, Brandon Cooks, and then Mike Williams, let's say. Those are just a couple of the guys that I like. Jalen Waddles, another guy that I like. You mentioned 100 targets, Matt. I think all those guys are good for 100 targets. Mm-hmm. So, but I get that with with the 300 touch potential that we're all looking for. And I really think, I I truly think, the fantasy football industry has outsmarted itself with zero running backs. And I think I'm gonna, you know, I was going to bring up fantasy baseball. I think Phil Duso is the proof of this, right, Matt? He is about to. I mean, he's currently running away with the main event in baseball as the first GM ever to start with a pitcher. So there's a little bit of historical data right out the window, right? So things that have never happened doesn't mean it can't happen again. I think zero running back is a failed theory this year. All right. We didn't mean to trigger anyone. Uh, Like, is it all in all, I'm actually rather boring. I (laughs) I did. No, I'm volatile with football. I'm going to be a volatile. No, I'm not going to be the milk toast, boring uh, analyst like I am for baseball. With football, I'm I'm starting it up, man. Let's go. (laughs) I I am more. I mean, in my my heart, I am milk toast. I I, uh, for football, I mean, I'm risk averse and I probably am going to most drafts. I'm going to leave the first four rounds with probably two running backs and two wide receivers. Yeah, that's, me too. That's probably because it'll probably even out that way where it'll just like, all right, I'll leave. I could leave the first two rounds with two running backs if you know I'm at the turn and, and something made it there that I like. Uh, but overall, um, that's probably what I'm going to be doing. I mean, there's not too many wide receivers and tight ends I want to pull. I mean, I know people really want to get in on, on Kittle or Waller or uh, or Kelsey. I um I think I'm happy kind of going down to uh Hawkinson. Uh Pitts is really interesting, but I mean his ADP is is a little too much for me. I can see it, you know, he's a wide receiver, he's not a tight end in the end, but uh I could go I could see Hawkinson because of the the uh, the interesting no actual other option there, although I do like him on St. Brown. Um I think that uh waiting around for Noah Fant is perfectly fine or if you want to wait even later Anthony Ferkser I think is good. So I am probably going to have a little more later tight ends than I am early and then running back um or quarterback Man, if I'm not getting a good deal on like Lamar Jackson, I'm probably waiting. <laughs> you know, I'm probably I'm probably waiting. Uh, it's uh, so um, getting into handcuffing. We didn't talk about because we talked a lot about running backs. Uh, I think I made my position clear. I don't waste. 
I don't waste roster spots, especially in best ball, which is what we're focusing on right now. Make every draft pick count. If I'm drafting Christian McCaffrey, I don't want to waste a backup spot on his, you know, I'm not drafting Evans. If I have Derek Henry, I am going to try to assume like I'm going for the win, not avoiding a loss. Uh, I want to assume health for all of my players and draft maximum upside for every single spot. So handcuffing is an absolutely no go for me in best ball. Really? Okay. So this is, this is good because now you and I are, we're in, we're in disagreement here again. It's, uh, I just don't feel like there's a lot of running back talent. I'd, I'd love some names at the end. Maybe I'm just not seeing. Hold on. Maybe hold on. Actually, before you get it, maybe I should qualify. I have no problem taking a hand, a handcuff type running back. I don't want mine uh, because I don't think that maximizes your thing. Like if I have McCaffrey, I'll take Evans. So if Drake goes down, if uh, I'm sorry, if uh, why can't I, what, I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> No, 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 no. Derek Henry. I, I, yeah, if Derek, if Derek Henry goes down another Henry, team, right. Henry, right? I, I Henry. want, I want Evans if I'm not the Henry owner, but I don't want Henry. I don't want Evans if I'm the Henry owner or, or the Evan, sorry, I, shareholder. I, sorry, everybody. Well, this is this is super interesting because this is where I really, really like. I, now I'm in my chair, like I'm sitting on the edge of it because this is what I really love. Because all of these for me are very individually based, and there's a, a little bit of calculus that kind of goes on. They're all they're all different. Now I tend. Man, I, I, I'm, I, man, I feel like I'm like admitting like a fault here, but I am really into handcuffs. But it depends who. So I would want to handcuff that, given the spot has RB one potential, and I think that's a mistake that some people make. You know, like, um, like oh, there's quite a few people on DeAndre Swift. I'm not sure. I like Swift. I'm not sure I want Jamal Williams no matter what. I mean, we kind of saw him without Aaron Jones, and it wasn't necessarily impressive. Uh, somebody like Darrington Evans behind Derrick Henry, I don't know if he's really RB1 material, so I'm probably passing on that. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey. Now, that now I'm going to give you a few reasons why I really like this. Okay, so first off, McCaffrey goes extremely early. His backup goes extremely late, meaning he's available in quite literally the last round. I don't understand why, one, McCaffrey's undersized, he's overused, We've seen an injury already. Two, his replacement last year, Mike Davis, who no one really heard of and is just okay, ended up being a pretty consistent RB1 again because of lack of talent, him capitalizing on opportunities. And three, Carolina Burton Chubb Hubbard. I'm not a big college football guy. I was just watching a little bit. He's awesome. He's awesome. Like, if I think, and I see, I mean, I feel like the Panthers front office put the writing on the wall and said, well, we weren't going to have that happen again. We're going to feed McCaffrey the ball 35 times. And when that race car breaks down, we have another race car. We're not going to roll out the Saab this time, the Hyundai. We're going to roll out another race car. And I feel like Chubba Hubbard is one of my favorite picks, regardless of McCaffrey. And maybe I'm misplaced here, but I see that as. Also, there's a, a, an opportunity cost here where if McCaffrey goes down, where does Chubba Hubbard go? He goes in like the third round, right? He goes right after Dobbins, Montgomery, and Sanders, like I mentioned, squashed between like Carson and ATN probably. Yeah, so but is, the, isn't his most likely path zero, like value? Like man, Damian, Damian Williams, I think they're making it obvious in Chicago. Oh, I like him. I like that pick. He's going to be getting a role. He's being drafted right around yes. Hubbard. I like being drafted very long after Hubbard right now is Boston Scott, who Miles Sanders cannot hold on to the ball. He's got butterfingers, and the coaches have already said him and Sanders will split carries. Like if if I'm looking to invest around this area, um, I see a lot of other opportunities. I mean, give me Salvin Ahmed on uh, the on Miami. Like remember last year? Wait, you like him more than Brown? I've been I was drafting Malcolm Brown in that spot. Yeah, uh, yeah. You I, might I'd be rather, right. I'm, I'd I'm, I mean, I'd, I'd rather have Ahmed, but. Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, I think there's a lot more. Um, I think there's other available options that I think I like the narratives more than than grabbing a handcuff that requires injury to be valued. Well, I think I think I actually have an amicable counter here. And Matt, really, it's funny. You mentioned those guys. I like all those guys and I'm drafting all those guys. And the reason is because I am getting all my running backs up front and because I'm in deploying this health strategy i'm not coming back for running backs until 16 17 18 and then picking my choice of all the guys you mentioned i i have like 
man, I've been getting like some uh, Philip Lindsay, right? He could easily play his way uh, into some time. And I have Malcolm Brown, like I mentioned. I have some Chubba Hubbard. Like Tevin Coleman's going really late. Sometimes you get him at the very end. Rashad Penny might kind of play himself into some time. You mentioned um, Williams on the Bears. That's a pick I really like. Another guy I think is Marlon Mack. And I wonder, does Mack kind of fit into what you're saying, Matt, where Mack, they're saying he's getting healthy, and I, it's really injury holding him back. I mean, he's very good, and we've seen the Colts kind of force feed him. I, I mean, I get. I mean, it's just, it's, it's. I guess there's a difference between me having interest in a player and having interest in actually handcuffing him to my player. And I think that's the difference here. Is I don't, I want to, I don't mind drafting some of these guys. I just don't want them to be the handcuff to mine because it requires my team take a giant hit in value in order to get it. I'd rather bank on my team staying healthy and, and then getting additional value out of someone else hitting later because listen, I mean, Christian McCaffrey goes down. Your team is screwed. Um, there is no coming back from it, especially in a massive best ball tournament. That's true. I mean, McCaffrey is light years in front of the next player, but you think in a tournament like the puppy that Christian McCaffrey goes down and you're stuck with Hubbard. You think you're not dead in the water. Cause you, you are. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I just don't know if that's necessarily the case because if it's a role thing and he fits into the role where he's going to get 16 carries and seven or eight grabs, like we've seen, he could be RB three to six every single week, like we saw with Mike Davis. So I, I, I'm not trying to say you lose McCaffrey and you're good with a handcuff, but I, but my point was just that is in the vacuum. I'm no, I, no I mean, I get you. I, I guess I agree with you on how Chubbard could be valuable. I think I guess it's two things. I can agree to the path for Hubbard having value. Right. I guess if I had McCaffrey, I would rather have Evans. And then if and, and then if somehow Henry went down, I have McCaffrey and I have oh, Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then or or if someone else goes down, all of a sudden I have this incredible upgrade at flex. Uh, I, I'd like to draft as if I'm, I'm not caring about downside and risk as much. I'm just like going for first and not worrying because I think, I mean, especially to win these big, you know, tournament best balls. I mean, we're not even right now, we're not even talking about like, you know, just a single best ball, but even a full tournament best ball. I think it requires you to just kind of be a little more all gas, no breaks kind of thing. Yeah. I think you're hundred percent right. I think as you were, as you were vocalizing that, I was kind of nodding along. We're not doing video. I was kind of nodding along. Cause I think you're right. Uh, yeah. I think I, I would still, I would still keep my flag planted just for a few guys. Like, I don't know. I think I see Williams on Chicago as a kind of guy who could really be tremendous for you if um, Montgomery goes down. But Matt, the way you phrased it, the way you put it, really makes a lot of sense, and it, it's true, right? Where you're you're looking at it as a trying to add to what you have, and in my scenario, it only pays in a case where you've lost. And yeah, I think I, I think maybe my strategy, the way I put it, is more viable for individual let's call it standalone best ball leagues and you're talking about tournament wins and i think for poppy i think you're right uh and then the last couple of things we'll talk about is uh how about talent versus opportunity this is like a huge thing especially when talking about ceiling uh who do you like more would you rather take if you're doing um for best ball would you rather take a shot on like high ceiling rookies or uh standouts from training camp or uh would you rather just go with like just uh, tar, you know, like uh, opportunity standouts, guys that you know, ever, you know, you know, they vacated targets is such an such a thing people like to say. But uh, what do you think is the best way to maybe spend on um, mid mid to late round sleepers? What do you think is the best way to go? I, I think it has to complement your early strategy. And since I've been very kind of transparent, since I'm going with bell cow running backs up front and having to push back for wideouts. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I get all of the kind of established guys that I can. After that, Matt, I have a ton of rookies. I have all I have all the rookies. I have all the second-year guys because that's where I see the potential for upside, in particular a case like underdog in these tournaments where there are three wide receiver slots and a flex, but I'm going to try and throw six or seven wideouts every week. So may, you know, maybe Mooney on the Bears is awful one week, but maybe he's tremendous the next week. Or, man, I'm, I, I know these rookies at the back of my hand because I have so many of them, whether it be Devonta Smith. Uh, he came up lame. I'm still buying on that because he has the connection, but that quarterback situation might be a mess, which is also why we hadn't mentioned it. I'm not playing any season long. Now, I'm not drafting any, I should Well, say. Let, let me give you a couple of examples here. Uh, Elijah Moore is going at the 11th end of the 11th right now, early, according, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Yeah, uh, Elijah Moore and then Cole Beasley is not going until 
You know, people, honestly, his ADP is deflated, not for football reasons. I think we all know yeah. why. Uh, he's going in the 13th round. Well, uh, who, would you, who would you actually rather have in a best ball, Elijah Moore or Colby? No, I think the answer is Beasley there. All um, right. Uh, Marvin Jones is going at the end of the 13th. Rashad Bateman at the end of the 13th. Who would you rather yeah. have, Marvin Jones or Rashad Bateman? You know, believe it or not, I think this one I'd rather have Bateman because just because the Jacksonville situation is might be the toughest one for me to get through. I really have had a hard time with Chark, Chenault, and Jones. No, that's fair. Uh, I, I just think uh, I think it's interesting how people go. And there was another one like uh, uh, very very discounted Nelson Aguilar, who is more oh, than I, likely I going to be the wide receiver one on the Patriots. He'll, he'll have a little bit of competition there. Um, uh, and then he's going like he's going a full round after Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, no, uh, I have all the Aguilar, man. Not even close. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 I guess it's it just depends or rookies. You don't really get a whole lot of discount on. So if right. I were to say anything is um, try not to disrespect the veterans. Right. Uh, you know, they uh, l- try to look at targets because targets are are the thing. I mean, touchdowns are variant and uh, targets are not. You got to be able to catch the ball. Just look at AJ Green, who's now injured. Um, if anyone wants to look at another very interesting rookie out there and Rondell uh, more. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I think that's one thing. Uh, talent versus opportunity is interesting when it comes to best ball. Uh, it's probably best to draft people that have a little bit of both. <laughs> You don't want to take a shot on a rookie that could be buried. Like there's a lot of rookies here that people have a lot of hope for. Couldn't that be more though? Don't you think Elijah Moore could be that? Oh, love, love fan. Elijah Moore. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But I'm a Jeff fan. He could easily fall behind Davis and Crowder with Carter. You know, it's just possible that there's a pathway that he's not an 11th round pick, which just feels like overpaying right now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, Elijah Moore has a great ceiling. Very, very, very low floor. Uh, Rondale Moore has an incredible ceiling. His floor is actually zero. And I think yeah, people don't recognize that. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm, do you have a take on, on Kirk? He personally has whipsawed me. I think I was on him early and he was not good. Then I think I disparaged him and he was very good. So I'm not sure what to make of Kirk. And again, if he steps forward, they already have the connection there. Again, I agree with you. There's a pathway where more, is just there's not you know it's not much there well he he you know he was supposed to come into the slot and that's where he naturally would have fit except there was this guy named larry in the in the slot when he came into the league so i think now he'll maybe get an opportunity to be or where he naturally should have been the entire time with uh hopkins and i guess ag green's hurt right now so opposite yeah. maybe rondell moore does get a shot but i think kirk uh will get a uh, a more natural fit on the field so i'm i'm actually I'm it. I'm in on Kirk. He already gets targets. And now I think in that high octane offense, he might actually get his opportunity. I think, I think this is the year for Kirk. Um, you know, it's now or never maybe, uh, but you know, he's, he's, he's so inexpensive that I'm very, okay, so, very, so I'm very willing that I, I would assume we're expecting big things from, from D hop. So then I think the third question is, do you think Murray can carry three viable pass catchers? Sure. Why not? Okay. Yeah, I never really thought of him like that. But again, last year, he looked great at the end, especially. You know. um, and then I guess the last thing we want to talk about is schedule, <laughs> schedule and bye weeks. It's amazing how many people, um, how many people like tend to tend to forget about these things. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about bye weeks and, and let's talk about bye weeks first. Uh, you do not need to draft um, your entire team basically just looking at strength of schedule maybe it's good for like flipping a coin but but for bye weeks you don't want to have your quarterbacks if you're drafting two in the same bye week you don't want to have four of your wide receivers in the same bye week uh so absolutely you have to be looking at these things you know have a spreadsheet open uh try to try to jot jot down what you're doing during your draft i mean it's an important thing that a lot of people forget so try to you know we talked about the week 17 thing here and looking into the playoffs but again strength of schedule side just bye weeks um Make sure you're prepared for that. Yeah, I, I keep an eye on bye weeks, of course. I don't really go nuts for strength of schedule. Again, as a handicapper, man, you know, you see these things go things go south quick, as they say. And particularly in football, there are a lot of additions a lot of times we don't see because there's so many players. And defense, for me in particular, rotates very much year to year because of the, you know, the amount of players that come in and out. And then some teams have – you know, coaching and coordinator changes, which just changes everything. 
I generally like to see a defense at least two or three times before I make any kind of decisions on it. So I don't go nuts with strengths of schedule because we could be wrong, right? That's the, that's the whole thing. And if you base your entire strategy off that, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Matt, the one thing that I do want to ask you about bye weeks, and it has to do with roster construction, in particular with these best balls, and this is where I've been disagreeing with people who are a lot better at this and been doing this longer than I have. And it has to do with that, that mantra that I was talking about before about drafting to be healthy. And, uh, you know, you take Mahomes in the third, you don't get another quarterback until, let's say, Daniel Jones in the 16th or whatever. But that's it. There are a lot of players going into these tournaments with only two quarterbacks. Now, we know your main quarterback is going to miss one game. Do you think... It's a lot to ask that player to have to finish in the top 10 or eight, really, every single week. I found I really want a third quarterback, and I've been getting some pushback on it. I was wondering what you thought. Uh, for, so what, what is the question here exactly? These tournaments, if you feel you need a third quarterback, because, again, right, let's say you draft two quarterbacks and they have different bye weeks. So, in theory, you're covered for every week. Yeah. But now you're really asking a lot. You know, you're asking a lot of a, besides health production wise even the best quarterbacks don't put up qb one week every every single week and sometimes i think that's as important as anything so i've been getting a lot of pushback about only having two quarterbacks i was wondering if you think we need a third or not uh yeah i mean i think you don't want any more than three especially that or or tight ends for that matter but i i can in in the overall things i can get going with two in order to try to maximize but yeah, I, I think that um, depending on the quarterbacks you drafted, you can go for a third, especially if you want to try something um, inexpensive. Ian Hartz, he had said something uh, I think made a lot of sense. If you're going to be in on Trey Lance, um, maybe try to go for a cheap guy like Kirk Cousins, who has like a very um, a very uh, safe be, uh, first third to his schedule. Um, you can always try to do that where, you know, if, it kind of it kind of prevents you from from losing out there. So I think that's a if you have a strategy and you're not picking blindly and you're looking at sh- actual schedule and you're building uh, a quarterback team in order to to um, maybe take advantage of the schedule. I think you can go with three, no problem. See, for me, I think for me, I need three quarterbacks and I'm okay with only two tight ends. The thinking being, average quarterback has got to get you, you know, 16, 18, 20 on a given week. That kind of score will get you a, a, Q, a QB one, you know, rating. Tight ends, the scoring is so much lower that even with the best tight end, you have to understand there's going to be a week or two where Travis Kelsey goes three for forty-seven and doesn't score. Like that just, ha- you know, it just happens. And that being said, I think you could stomach whether it, even if it's a zero once, like I, I think a zero one zero at a tight end is not nearly as painful as a zero at quarterback, which I'm afraid you might get again, quarterbacks can put up negative numbers. It does. It just happens, right? Picks tipped balls. Like we've seen it. It just happens. Strip sack fumbles, you know, things go wrong. So I, I, I don't know. I'm pushing back against the two QBs. I'm pushing back against the zero running back. I'm pushing back against a lot. So I guess Matt, I'm either finishing in first or the last. <laughs> no, I have no problem. I have no problem taking three. I, I think a lot of a lot of people do. I don't know if it's split 50-50, but I don't I don't think you're out on a limb, right? Who do you really like? If I'm gonna give you a handful of the guys that are here. So it it can be the very last pick in the draft. And you have to choose for this third QB. I know I've seen you have your choice of Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger or either of the Saints quarterbacks. You can't have them both. You can only have one. Taysom Hill for sure. Yeah, you know what's funny? I I was with that. Is it because he could run in two touchdowns? Is that as simple as as it goes? If he gets named the starter, like for real, he's a top 10 quarterback. Because of all the work on the ground. Yeah, when he's been in there, he's been, I want to say, top five (laughs) most weeks. Uh, So uh, I think think that he's a great guy to add as your third especially if your second quarterback is like super cheap uh, because there's a chance that if he gets named, we don't know what he'll be in full time. Obviously we have a small sample size on the guy, but um, from what we've seen him do from just a fantasy perspective, uh, he's absolutely uh, the guy I'd want out of that entire group. If, if you wanted to be safer, uh, my, my next pick would be not uh, golf. Who's the second guy you, you named? Not golf. Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger for sure. Well, see, it's funny. I I had I was beginning with Taysom, 
Then I started to move away because it looked like he, uh, people were saying Winston was with the ones. Then I started going with Roethlisberger thinking, hey, man, those f- four or five times this season at home, Roethlisberger is going to be a QB1. And that's just kind of where I've that's kind of where I, I've I've ended up. I mean, he has I three like- wide receivers that can be wide receiver ones. <laughs> I, I have a I have a I have one more QB question off of what we were talking about, and it's it's because I I stalk you on social media, and you tweeted about Alvin Kamara, who of co- I think you know really it's undisputed he's extremely ta- supremely talented, and he has a nose for the end zone. He's phenomenal. And I think he's football. the most talented running back in football. Okay, great. I'm glad I'm good. I'm glad that we got that out because it's not like a bash. Hold on, let me let me read. I mean, I don't have my tweet in front of me, but basically what I said was that I'm having a hard time drafting Alvin Kamara. Uh, because I'm worried about Taysom Hill. That's and- right. Yeah, that's where I was going to center it about. Is now you 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 put that part out. The part you didn't put is let's say I don't know Hill goes down or Winston is named. You know he forgets how to throw interceptions and all of a sudden he's the unequivocal you know undisputed starter in New Orleans. Does that reinstate Kamara in that top four? For you? Well, right now, as we stand, like I haven't re-upped him. Kamara is currently my RB4. So some people are like overreacting to me. And I think there's a lot of difference between people's rankings and how they draft. Lamar yeah. Jackson's my QB1. It doesn't mean I'm drafting him in front of all quarterbacks. It means that I'm comfortably waiting until after people have taken uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen and maybe Kyler before I scoop up Lamar. I expect Lamar to be the number one. Uh, In the first round, I like to be risk averse. And with, I mean, the last time we heard from New Orleans, they're leaning Taysom Hill. Now, there's certainly exceptions to the rule. Christian McCaffrey has been good. There's been other running backs that, um, that that have mobile quarterbacks that have had a certain level of success, but you're not investing this kind of draft capital into them. There's a very small sample set, three or four games of him working with Taysom over Breeze, and it's just not good. Um, So it correlates directly to the narrative, and that worries me. So it's not a matter of the fact that I don't like Kamara. He's amazing. I think I said he's the most talented, I think, talented running back in in football. But if that holds true, uh, that worries me. I mean, it, and it doesn't mean I'm I'm any less worried about some other running backs. Uh, Derek Henry has an incredible um, problem with workload that could creep up on him at any time. Austin Eckler. I mean, we never kind of know what we're going to get out of him. I do love Austin Eckler. Uh, yeah, he, I worry about him. He's my he's my he's the first. Well, now Taylor as well, but it really wasn't so much Taylor as you lose your QB, you lose your offensive lineman that you need. Eckler is the one that 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 troubles me. Yeah, I mean Saquon Barkley, obviously, there he's he could be out until week three. I have, yeah, I can't, uh, you know what? You mentioned risk. I, I, how could you draft a first round running back that's not playing? You know. Yeah, and Ezekiel Elliott. I, I expect him to have a beast mode bounce back, but again, with uh, how he looked last year, uh, which he was, he was brutal, and uh, you so know he's, he's a risk in front of him. That you have Kamara in front of Zeke at four. I have Zeke in front of Kamara right now. Right now, I have Zeke at RB three. Um, oh, okay. Who's a, who? Who do you have Kamara in front of? In front of Cook or or Henry? I have uh, what I have right now. Let me look. Because if Kamara is four, and Zeke is three, McCaffrey's one. Yeah, the Zeke Cook will be two. I think Henry might be five. Might be five then. Okay, because of the pass catching. Yeah, I, I mean, in, in, you know, grasping straws at the very top. Yeah, I, got, yeah, I understand. Um, but uh, in PPR, I, I'm finding more and more where I'd kind of rather be drafting on. I, on the turn and I you look at Alvin Kamara and you look at all the things he can do and you look at like fantasy points per game fantasy points per touch I mean he's literally one of the most elite players in the last several years yeah. stands 2019 when he had like this weird run of like no scoring um which you know obviously caught up to him last year in a big way but man I mean if you look at everything he does well um and you erase the risk you got Aaron Jones <laughs> And I, I got, I think I'd rather have Aaron Jones this year. Not that I want to take him a fourth overall. It's making me want to take a wide receiver in the first round almost if I'm going early. Uh, so again, I'm not saying I won't take him. I'm just saying I'm, I'm having a tough time. My current, um, my current rankings right now for PPR, I have Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Zeke, Kamara, Aaron Jones at my five, Henry at my six, Eckler, Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris. That's my top 10. Uh, so I have Jones nestled right behind Kamara and even though I acknowledge, and this isn't necessary for best ball, this is more for season long, because um, uh, season long I do worry about risk. So when we said earlier, don't worry about risk. This is me talking season long. If I'm sitting there at four, and McCaffrey, Cook, and Elliott are off the board, or or, or uh, Henry's off the board, you know, I um, 
man, I, I, I might take Aaron Jones. I, it sounds crazy to some people, but uh, I, I said you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can lose it. And if Taysom Hill's the quarterback, and if that small game sample size holds true over a full year and they end up going like really hard with uh, their, their actual ground running backs, which now they have a couple of them, then, you know, it, it worries me a bit. And if you have a question mark that early in the first round, I think, you know, it merits cherry picking. You know, it could, again, famous last words. If Calvin Kamara ends up as the RB1, that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Right. Yeah, I, I, it, to take something, as long as it's an uncertainty, I just can't take a guy in the top five. And at the very least, I'm not, I'm not even asserting that we'll see that same kind of low level of production. What I think is a, is a fair assertion is hopes for the end zone. You get cut in half at the very least, you know, and that's what you need. You want to, when you have the ball, when your team has the ball on the one, you want high hopes that your running back is going to be the one to get it in the end zone. And you just can't say that with Hill. It's that simple. Well, here's the thing though. Who would you rather, who would you really feel more comfortable with? Um, leaving the first round if Taysom Hill was the quarterback? Because some people are like, Taysom Hill or not, Alvin Kamara's the man. Uh, let, would you rather have, like, uh, let's say Taysom, let, let's say Kamara and uh, Metcalf, DK? That's that's what you that's your pair coming out of the first two rounds. Or would you rather have um, Devontae Adams and, I don't know, Anto- Antonio Gibson? Uh, I like Harris more than I like Gibson, but I think I like the second pair. Well, I don't know if Harris would make it, but let's just say Harris to Harris or Gibson, like one of those types. Yeah, I'd rather I like the latter. I like the the Adams pair. I mean, God, even Nick Chubb is sometimes falling there. So I mean, it's it's a there's there's some interesting running backs falling into the mid second. So I just again, it's a it's a food for thought thing. Uh, you can't be faulted for drafting Alvin Kamara. He's obviously amazing, uh, especially in PPR. But uh, they said. Like right now we have uncertainty with no discount. So once there's certainty, I could pay the premium. You know, does that make sense? You're right. I don't I don't feel the need to pay a fourth round pick because I don't even know what I'm getting. Tell me what I'm getting and I'll pay you the fourth round pick. The yeah, fourth- I mean that, that's kind of what it comes down to. <laughs> I it's 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 actually more me saying I really, really don't want to have uh, a pick in like, you know, th- uh, you know, in that area where I have to make that decision. One and two, I'll take McCaffrey and Cook. After that, I'd rather just be towards the end of the round. Um you know, before I have to take, it's just an uncomfortable position to be in. I think in fantasy this year, that, that three to six range. Yeah. I, I think, like you said, I think you just have to understand the risk there. And that's the part I can't get around because you name the guys up front and Kamara at four means either Henry or Zeke. It's too hard for you to pass to those guys. It really is. I, I just have a ton of Zeke. He's my guy this year. All right. So, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up for the inaugural edition of the Daily Blitz pod this year in 2021. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully we'll get this up uh, on all, all the places you find uh, podcasts pretty soon. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S at Matt Williams. And John, where can everyone chase you down? I am at MLB Moving Averages on the Twitter machine. Type in any of that stuff. I will come Right up. Although I think with football going, I may have to put my real name in the handle. Things at times they are a change in that. So <laughs> thanks for having me. I had a great time. It really feels so good to get in the football. It's it's fun to cover it differently. Like I said before, man, I, and I always have a good time with you regardless. All right. So we'll continue to hit up best ball strategy. Maybe we'll do a couple of live drafts. Um, we'll talk some uh, season long DFS season long strategy. We get all that coming up. So uh, stay tuned for that. No and uh, until then we'll see you next week. See everybody. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shares, ribbon off red, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad well, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily bliss, bliss.